come with us. Into the wild wood. And find the magic within. Welcome fellow travelers into the Wildwood, Hagen podcast with your hosts, myself, Lee or Red Oak, and over there is Rev Kai. Hello, hello. hello. Uh, welcome to everybody in the chat so far, Yolandi, Papamese, Deborah, and Schrodinger's cats. I'm just going to say cats, that's easier. And please check out our link in the, well, the link in our, the, the link in the description. Um for all the places you can find us. <laughs> I'm sure this is the best part of Kai's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> of my day, I'm watching gonna, you go through all this stuff. Yeah, I'm just going to stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I only chuckle because I did this for years on my own show. <laughs> mm, yep, Stumbled. Yep. Stumble, stumble through it every time <laughs> but everybody knows what to do by now surely and if you're new uh you know we put links in our description to find more things and we'd like it if you'd hit the thumbs up and if you enjoy it subscribe <laughs> hey i'm just gonna let you do it from now on <laughs> <laughs> all right so today we're talking about time and dimensions um we originally thought we would just do the whole light time versus dark time thing again, but uh, decided to add in the dimensions as well. Get a bit more in-depth with that. Um, hmm? Yay, math! Yeah, I know. I know. You're, you're <laughs> going to go into quantum physics and stuff, and I'm going to sit here with a dumb expression on my face. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to talk about the physics of it. That's fine. No, we can. Um, I, enjoy, I enjoy listening to it. Let's put it that way. And I did share a playlist in our Discord server this morning that is about uh, visualizing the other dimensions. Uh, I've got a few other videos to share too, but kind of ran out of time this morning. But, you know, if you're into that stuff and you want to explore it more, I think it's fascinating. And videos really do help hmm. because you need. 3D visualizations moving in order to understand a lot of this stuff. So I, I'm very glad that we have a bunch of physicists and mathematicians that are on YouTube and freely sharing their work and producing these animations that, I mean, they, they have to take so much time to produce these animations. So go check out that stuff. Um, we're always sharing resources and links in our discord server what i'll actually do is i'll um after the show i'll put that link into the description of this video and anybody listening oh, on the pod you know, anybody listening on the podcast because uh, we'll probably make do be doing hand puppets today um oh yes yeah um <laughs> we I'll, I'll put the the playlist in there as well and the link to this video in case we are doing hand puppets and you can see that going on uh yeah you can see the visuals much better yeah right. all right so 
dark and light time. We've done several shows on dark and light time. And I don't know if this is common parlance or if this just came out of the coven we were working in, this terminology. I think it did, actually. Um, I can't say I've seen it spoken about anywhere else. I mean, people talk about astral time. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's obviously the, the time shift between the, the physical and when people go to the Fae and all of those myth, mythologies and stuff. But and, dark, yeah. Well, that's pretty much what we're talking about, is those two experiences of time. Mm. Dark time being not this. Not, you know, light time is this linear, awake consciousness engaging with physical reality experience of time. And dark time is when sleeping, when astral traveling, <clears throat> when interacting in the other worlds, when journeying, all of those experiences of time in another way. Mm -hmm. And those times can obviously shift. Um, I spoke about this before as well. Um, actually, what I'll also do is I'll... Because that, that dark and light time uh, chat that we did was a blackout chat, so I'll, I'll grab the link for that and also put that in the description. Because that was a yeah. very in-depth talk about that. Um, that was the first, first show we did. That's a show. Yeah. Dark yeah. and light time. Yeah, we really, like came in all guns blazing, didn't we? Yeah, you know? <laughs> start at the top. <laughs> let's, let, let's start a live chat about magic and witchcraft, and we'll talk about dark and light time. <laughs> yeah. But yes, they shift and they move. And, you know, I think a lot of times we think about waking consciousness or our experience of light time is very um, regimented and linear, but yeah. that has not always been the case. And I... It's still not the case. I mean, we've all experienced losing a couple of hours to, you know, a YouTube click hole or scrolling, you know, or something like that. Or um, that kind of zoning out when you're driving and all of a sudden you're there. Um, or having a, you know, wonderful, uh, happy event that you don't want to end. It's going by too fast. Or watching the clock tick when you're waiting for something and feeling, you know, those five minutes stretch into what feels like hours. That's still part of waking consciousness, even though I'd say it's kind of butting up against and bleeding over into dark time. Mm. Because, you know, we're, we're experiencing the wibbly-wobbliness of time that it is a perception. And I think our experience of time has gotten more and more and more regimented over the centuries. Because there used to be a time before digital clocks, right? A time before watches, a time before clocks themselves, a time before sundials. So, you know, we've always created time structure and enforced it more and more and more. I mean, now my watch face has a uh, second hand on it all the time that I'm always aware of. And, and that's 
I mean, that's a choice for what I put on my watch, but still it, it's interesting to think about how we as humans have gone from it's day and night to watching the hours to, you know, watching the minutes and now watching the seconds and so on and so forth. The granularity that we keep adding to track and regiment time. Mm. Uh, Richard has joined us. Hello, Richard. Thanks for joining. Um, yeah, and I think what, what's actually quite interesting is if we look at, um, I'm going to bring up the, the Sigil Magic uh, Servitor um, for Tamakus. Hmm. Yeah. If I'm not correctly. Um, that I haven't actually used that myself, but it is a, it is a very interesting concept. Um, I mean, there is a, a kind of a warning in there to use, um, you know, if, if you do speed up time or slow down time using this, the servitor, you have to remember that at some point that's got to come back into balance. So if you speed up time at some point, it's going to, going to slow down for you. Yeah. Uh, just thought it was quite interesting, but that again comes back into linear time. Yep, I'll share a link in the chat for um, an explanation of Photamicus and instructions for use and that sort of thing. In case anybody wants to check that out, I'm actually surprised I remember the names. Every time it comes up, I can never remember the name. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> good job. That's what those things that always kind of. Flips out of place, you know. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I, I mean, that, as I said, that does come back into linear time because we have to speed up time and then remember that it's going to slow down again. Mm -hmm. So even though we're playing with time itself, it's still being linear because you have to recognize the progression of moment to moment to moment. Um, but when we talk about astral, well, dark time versus light time, that concept disappears a lot because, you know, eight hours here could be 20, 30 hours in dark time and the other way around. Um, and I think it's yeah. something, I think it's something I actually mentioned or brought up in that, that chat we did. I can't remember though, so I'll bring it up again. Um, you know, we talk about being awake and going to sleep. And when we go to sleep, our dream body wakes up and dreams of us, uh, well, the other way around, yeah. Um, but if we consider that we only sleep for eight hours a day and the rest of the time we're awake, you know, it doesn't really match up. You know, it doesn't mean our dream body is awake for eight hours only. Um, but at the same time, there's no time there to, to begin with anyway. Um, but that's where the time shift and wibbly-wobbly stuff comes in because it's not real to begin with. Well, yeah. This is, and I think we should, well, I should clarify because I say time's not real all the time because it's, it's kind of the mantra to remind me. Mm. So when we are kids, we experience reality without question. You know, what we see, what we teach, what we test. And as we grow, we begin to learn that other people have different experiences of the same thing. 
I know I see a lot of people in, you know, as a young adults, adults, uh, online, especially, you know, I had no idea other people couldn't visualize or I had no idea that other people might see this as not green as blue instead, or, you know, uh, and, and then stuff goes viral when it's uh, a perception difference, the blue, black, white, gold dress, people lost their mind over that. Right. Mm. And I think that's just another example of the fact that sensory input varies and our minds are always taking sensory input and guessing. They're mm. filling in a lot of blanks, uh, you know, the way the mind works. And uh, just because this sensory input comes in in this order doesn't mean it gets processed in that order either. Our, our binds tend to bend things rather than keep them on a, a conveyor. And that just lumping things together and then pulling them out and putting them in a logical order, that kind of shows us that, you know, time is a sensory input, just like sight and sound and taste and touch and smell. Our experience of time, we're picking up somehow, just like we pick up a smell. So those sensory inputs can vary. And we don't know if what we're perceiving is really there or, or what mm. we're perceiving. Just like, you know, when you learn about um, atoms and molecular structure and you figure out that your desk is mostly empty space vastly empty space and it's only seems solid because they're teeny tiny little things like vibrating and bumping into each other at certain ratios it, <laughs> i think of the same thing you know for that we could say well the desk's not real the same way that i say time's not real so there is an experience there but we have to remind ourselves of i don't know the other perceptions because i don't want to say the underlying reality because reality is kind of a an iffy thing here as we talk anyways what is reality consensus objective reality ha ha you think a desk's real you know <laughs> so it gets to that kind of stuff when we talk about it so yes we absolutely experience time we absolutely experience the arrow of time or um you know poetically the exhale of the universe. Things move forward, we age, uh, decay happens, that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, time doesn't seem to flow backwards. We can't, you know, go open the door on a room and suddenly it has reorganized itself and cleaned it to the first day you put furniture in there. Mm. You know, that's not an experience we have. So there is an arrow of time and there, there is um, a consensus of objectivity of time. But we're talking about the magic side of things. So that consensus objective reality, the one where the solid desk, you can't pass your hand through it, and where time flows forward and you have times of awake and times of sleep and so on and so forth, and, and you're aware of the minute hand on your watch. That's like um, the user interface of a video game, right? 
you're interacting with the video game, you're using these controls, you're watching a screen, you're aware to a certain degree that it's a video game, maybe, but we could get into immersive VR experiences where there's no boundaries on what you're seeing. All of your sensory input is on the video game, right? You've got a, a running mat where you can run around and move in any way. You've got, you know, uh, sensory input into uh, the skin and everything that feels like these objects are solid. You can manipulate things in this reality. It's the only thing you see and hear and smell. It's the only thing you taste, so on and so forth. And I know that's getting a little matrixy, but Would this I? is just <laughs> this is just an analogy. <laughs> so, what's behind that? That's making that virtual reality happen for us. Code right? The information that drives those organizing systems. And then what's behind that? Circuitry and metal and uh, plastic and, and all of the hardware that drives that. And the thing is, if we, if we think about our understanding of reality in that way, and I think this is called video game theory or something. This is, this is a, Physics theory, philosophy theory, something. Um, but if we think about our reality in the, that way, there are several points at which we can make changes. And I think magic hangs out in that code area. We don't have to get all the way to the mechanics. We, we like to talk about the mechanics and theorize about the mechanics. Like, why in the world does this work? Why is it? Every month when, you know, the moon comes back to the same place it was in my natal chart when I was born, I get weepy. What is that? You know? So, um, I think the reason to explore all of this and poke around in this stuff is because we'd like to muck about with the code. Mm. And, you know, we can think of that as... Hacking reality, I've heard that term many times. I know that was real popular in the 80s, uh, getting into the hacking reality kind of stuff. Um, and God mode codes, we hear a lot in the occult community, things about becoming a god. And I think that's that same kind of theory. Um, where can you break the rules? Where can you enter the creation process instead of the experience process? Mm. So... I don't know where I was going with all of that and how it related to time, but when I started, there was a point. I enjoyed it. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bit like the... I, I quite enjoyed the theory of we are um, in a Petri dish. Um, so, you know, we have our quantum physicists who are trying to explore the God particle and all these things, and we're just uh, an experiment in somebody else's uh, laboratory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I enjoy that one. I think it uh, was a far side cartoon that, um, you know, that mm. showed we're all just inside and the stars are poked holes in the jar of mm. some kid who caught something and it's sitting in his bedroom. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, there's actually a... Um, uh, I've forgotten the title of it now. Um, 
Uh, I've completely forgotten names and titles. The cat. Cat in the hat. Sure. Oh, Dr. Seuss? Dr. Seuss, yeah. It was a Dr. Seuss uh, uh, one similar to that. Anyway, uh, talking about cats, cats has asked, yeah, asked a question. Um, it feels like possibility or potentiality is a materially real thing. Do I make sense? Yeah, but then again, no. <laughs> you know, when they're getting down to um, quantum entanglement, the problem there is it seems like we might be collapsing the wave function through interacting as observers. But we can't know because we can't observe when we didn't interact as observers. So if we think that it is our interaction that collapses the wave function, which like there's pretty good theories for, then yeah, potentiality is an underlying lying, um, or non-local reality. But we can't verify that in any way because we can't observe the conditions from when we didn't observe. <laughs> and hence we get to things like video game theory because, you know, if we are the locus of creation of reality, um, it's only rendering what we're paying attention to, uh, then potentiality is potentially infinite because choices are only made due to interaction. And the uh, slopsist? I don't think that's the right word. Anyways, the uh, theory that can arise from that is, well, I'm the only thing and I'm the only thing that matters and everyone else is part of the video game. Everyone else is rendered. They are not conscious. And I don't think that makes sense for the way our world works. Instead, everything else is alive. Everything else is consciousness and is making those same wave collapse observer interactions with the co-creation of reality, objective reality. So that means that that infinite unbounded potential suddenly is massively collapsed due to the interaction of millions of consciousnesses. And that's why it's really hard to do magic to win the lottery. Cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to carry on there. Yeah. <laughs> Did that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yolandi said I watched a video on YouTube the other day where people claim to have slipped into another dimension very interesting I've seen this on there's a, I saw it on TikTok actually and I couldn't make any sense of it um, this guy is making videos on TikTok of how he he was on a boat and all of a sudden everybody disappeared he's completely alone in the world but he's, he goes around 
the streets, walking around the streets, going into shops, going into busy places like galleries and airports and all of these these places, and there's nobody, not a single soul. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I don't really know what to make of it. I, I've seen those TikToks and everything, and you notice they only appeared after there was a pandemic and there were these huge shutdowns and places like that were physically empty. Mm. And also, they didn't appear until after that AI cognitive fill on in the uh, Adobe suites. Yeah, that's true. That that stuff is cool. I mean, it'll generate trees and shit. Mm. I mean, <laughs> it'll fill in all sorts of stuff that it's not just copying pixels and guessing. You know, it's actually viewing holistically and replacing. So. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't disbelieve that people can have experience of other dimensions. I have a problem with taking your cell phone and getting it to broadcast to TikTok and still have an IP address. Yeah. And I think that's a little yeah. 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 I don't think cell phones are part of the rig for your video game. Mm. I think they're in the video game. So you can't take them to another one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Richard said, uh, Horton, here's a who, I think it was. No, that one doesn't ring a bell. I don't remember uh, which one. Doesn't matter. Anyway. Oh. Cats posted and then retracted. That's very rude. <laughs> okay, so dimensions. So you're yeah. the one that added dimensions. What 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 were you thinking? Uh, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you are you aren't okay. Just you didn't have anything specific in mind. No, well, I mean, we 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 talk always talk about ourselves being in, th- in the three dimensional stage. Um, but when we talk about working with the spirit world, we talk about uh, working with the five-dimensional stage. So um, if we were to define that, three-dimensional state would be working in, or working in, uh, moving in three dimensions. So left, right, forward, backwards, up, down. Um, yeah. and, and technically we're in four dimensions because you can't move without time, and that's the fourth dimension. Um, yeah, I, as far as I understood it, and this was something going back to Lobsang Rampa when I was like 14 years old, um, fourth dimension being time is that we can move in time. So we can be here now and cross the world in the next second type of thing. No, that'd be fifth dimension. So oh, the first space. the first dimension is a point. It has no length, it has no width. <clears throat> Only one dimension. Two dimensions is a line because it has a length, right? Three dimensions is a plane. Nope, I missed one. One dimensions, yeah. Two dimensions is a plane because it has length and width. Three dimensions is a physical object, what we call a physical object. Because it has length, width, and depth. But 
we're four dimensional because we can manipulate three dimensional things and move them through the fourth dimension. This doesn't move of its own accord. It is only three dimensions. Mm -hmm. We can move it through the fourth dimension, which is time and space. Um, and then, you know, for its experience, one second is here and one second is here. Mm -hmm. It didn't do that. We interacted on the dimension below us. So we're fourth dimensional beings because we're in time. It, fifth dimensional beings can do the pull you out of time and plop you back down in time thing because they're moving through the fifth dimension. Mm. And that would be the on one continent here and on another continent in the next second. Which is why a, a lot of the grimoires speak about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we are, we're actually four dimensional beings in a three dimensional world. Yep. yep. Feels like feels like I'm singing a uh, Barbie girl song. <laughs> um, so yeah. Another video that I've shared and I've talked about many times that that talks about um, envisioning the ten dimensions from string theory that now. I don't know if you'd say it's been debunked. It's just been not proven for a really long time. <laughs> like we keep looking and it turns out we can't find anything. But um, he talks about a point, a line and a fold. Because every time you get to that fold, you get to move through a higher dimension. And the lower dimensions it's the lack of experience that really divides that, the lack of the ability to perceive what's happening. That fold to what was the line, right? Just a line now folds it and connects two points that were totally not connected. They were at opposite ends of the line. So we can think about that as time travel because here was the beginning, let's say 12, 12 years old, and here's the end, 30 years old. Well, if you move those through a higher dimension and put them right next to each other, ta-da, time travel. So that's how I always think about that, figuring out what dimension is what. And that repeats, point, line, fold, point, line, fold, point, line, fold, as we go up through the higher dimensions. You know, that, that reminds me of R.J. Stewart's um, uh, spiral theory idea. Mm, yeah. That time is a continuous spiral. And it's easier, if you're on a spiral, it's easier to get from this time point to this time point, which is below or one above, if you're closer on that, that repeating circle, as, a, as opposed to being on the opposite end. Right? Mm-hmm. I was looking for I'll have to look after we're off. I have a book that was just recommended to me that's about the spiral theory of time but it's viewed from um, the point of view of someone who does astrological magic. Mm. So they're talking about, you know, understanding fractal time and spiral time theory uh, from, I think, a much more holistic perspective but 
it's got spiral in the title and I don't remember it was a couple weeks ago and went on the to read list and you know <laughs> haven't gone that far yet. Two hundred and twenty <laughs> books I've got on the to read list since then. Yeah, the to read list uh, grows exponentially while the reading still progresses at a linear rate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cats asked, uh, anyone watched uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch? Uh, it fits today's topic. I know I did watch it. Uh, um, wasn't that the intro? I watched it. I watched it when it first came out, so that was a few years back, and I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I was not in a good headspace when Black Mirror came out, and I did not watch it because mm. I tried, and it was. It was not a healthy engagement for me at the time, but um, I don't know, maybe I should go back and watch them. Mm. Well, I think it was Bandersnatch that came out separately to the series and they, they just made it into a movie. I'm sure it's the interactive one, which I found really cool. Yeah, this, this one. Yeah, okay. So it's really cool because you, you, you know, you're watching a movie and then you get to decide what to do next. I love mm -hmm. that. <laughs> <laughs> I never did like those interactive books like that when I was a kid. Ooh, I did. Because <laughs> uh, I couldn't not read all of the options. The mm. idea that there was information there that I was skipping over just uh, unseated my soul. <laughs> so I would always read the options and then make potential maps of how they could go together. And then, of course, I'd get to the end and be like, well, we went out to 10, and then you reduce back to 2. <laughs> well, that's what's so good about it, because then you go back to the beginning and you, you, you pick the different parts in. Yeah, I just couldn't do them sequentially like that. Mm. I had to do all the paths all at once. <laughs> Speaking of viewing potentiality in time, no wonder I'm a diviner, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, I want to look at all the options. No, I'm not going to pick one until I look at all the options and the options after that and the options after that. <laughs> but that, that actually falls very much into doing spell work um, mm -hmm. and making sure you know all the possibilities that could arise from the spell work you're doing and going into it knowing that you're responsible for the outcome. Hmm. Yeah. Very big part of it. Yeah. That, I think that's why I'm so heavy on if you're going to do magic, you need a divination. Hmm. Doesn't matter what it is, it matters that it works for you and you can use it for spell work. And I will say that um, you have to have that same detachment to successfully do divination for yourself that you have to have to be able to do magic. Mm -hmm. Both emotional investment and emotional detachment at the same time. It's a weird skill, but it's really important because intense emotion clouds judgment, clouds understanding, blocks psychic abilities. It messes with stuff. Mm. And information doesn't get through, but without intense emotion, magic don't work. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of a weird balance. Uh, Richard said, I used to read ones in those books, kept me busy for hours. I also did them all at the same time. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> now, you can, now you can understand why I, I became an architect. <laughs> and then started coding websites. Because I like the logical steps. <laughs> yep. yep. And if I have to go back to logical the beginning steps. and start again and take different steps, that's cool with me. <laughs> A different kind of completioning. Go through it all, all the way to the end. And then, then do it again. Actually, talking about Bandersnatch, that's going to drive you insane then if you watch that. Because you can't take all of the steps at the same time. Yep. <laughs> and you can't... You know, I don't like Netflix and most streaming services because you can't put stuff on two or three or four or five times speed to watch it. Mm. And that's how I watch the vast majority of media that I consume in that format. Because I have no patience. <laughs> and... ADHD, so fast speaking. But, yeah. <laughs> Watch things at regular speed. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> As I talk to everyone, very much watching us at regular speed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't have a choice. Um, all right, so apart from the fourth dimension of time, the fifth dimension of space, we... No. Time and space are, are together. They're one so what's thing. The fifth dimension. Something above time and space. We don't know. But wouldn't the fifth dimension be moving within space? Being here and then there? That's moving through the fifth dimension. Mm. Moving, collect, holding, connecting two points in space that weren't previously connected. Okay, so how do we define the fifth dimension if it's not space? We, we can't. We are fourth-dimensional beings. You can't <laughs> perceive dimensions above you. Okay. You can manipulate dimensions below you, but you can't perceive dimensions above you. It's always the explanation of ours. Um, we have three dimensions, and then we have space, time, and then we have space. So we move through time and we move through space. But those are not separated in our experience. Mm. Right? Because it takes time to move through space. Mm. In our experience, yeah. Yes. And it takes space to move through time. Mm. That's why we have light years and faster than light travel concepts and those sort of things. Those are within our dimensions. So time and space are locked together in a ratio in our experience. And mm. this is the arrow of time that we experience. Mm. So, and, you know, there have been theories that if we could get the earth to rotate the other way or go around the sun the other way or something, we may experience time in a different arrow. It may not be opposite. We often think of time as forward or backward. It may be at a tangent or, you know, something like that that we don't understand. But time and space are locked together in our dimension. And that's one way we can know that that's the upper limit 
because we have experience, but not manipulation of. Mm. You know, we theoretically know how to manipulate time by flying really, really fast through space. But we can't do it. Mm. Was that uh, idea that, um, was it called zero gravity? Um, that the Earth is going to eventually come to a halt and start rotating the opposite direction. Okay. Remember that about 20 years ago, and everybody was freaking out about it. Um, I, I must have missed and that. Then, and then all of the experts said, oh, no, it's only going to happen in 300 years' time. But it didn't make any sense to me. How does the Earth spin and stop and then start spinning in the opposite direction? And the, the, the poles switch. Oh, say, so was that about a magnetic pole switch? Because that's been a big Something thing for that. some time. I don't think that has to do with uh, a rotational. Um, oh, words. Deceleration. Mm. The rotation slowing down. Um, I mean, yes we do have rotational deceleration that we've measured, but it's seconds over hundreds of years, maybe even thousands of years. It's, mm. it's small. It's really, really small, you know? So it's not like in 300 years that Earth stops spinning, but um, magnetic pole shifts have been a big topic for quite some time. And Part of that, I think, is a misunderstanding of the magnetic fields that surround the Earth. They move mm. um, all the time. They, they are an organic, moving, shifting, interacting mass. And when they're talking about pole shift, what they mean is that the North Pole that's usually within the, let's just say, positive magnetic area, is going to move and now the negative magnetic area will mostly be over that area of land. So it's not like there are these two poles that only have one thing and they suddenly change places. It's this moving mass that is always in fluctuation and tends to be mostly like this, but is always moving around. And now it's mostly like this for a while. And that's happened on the earth. Um, we have records of it and have seen it happen, and it's not like everything died or anything like that. Um, and, and it's not like it's a sudden 180, day and night, black and white. It's this, you know, here's the meeting line for 600 years, and then here's the meeting line for another 800 years, and then here's the meeting line. So it's a gradual movement. A gradual process. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just remember the whole talk about it. People were convinced the Earth was going to stop rotating, and so it could rotate the other way, which is what causes the pole shift. <sighs> I don't think that's it. I mean, I'm not claiming people, to be any kind of expert on magnetic fields or anything like that. But people come up with really interesting theories, though. Yeah, the less you know, the easier it is to theorize. <laughs> 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 uh, let's see, Katz asked uh, do you think of the idea that um, what do you think of the idea that mind is itself a dimension 
That's interesting. I mean, I think there are ways in which we could describe mind as the fifth dimension because it would explain the whole getting out of time, getting out of space um, kind of understanding of things. I don't know. It it depends on what you call it. Just like um, we were talking about dark and light time and, and kind of that, that fuzzy space that bumps up against each other. I think dimensions work that way too. I don't think everything in nature is, are these hard division lines that are always, you know, one or the other. Um, and especially as, as we talk about these higher dimensions, I think there will be barriers, but I also think they're barriers that you can probably kind of push on a little bit, you know, or, or stretch. And that might just be our language too, but we obviously have um, non-temporal experiences, not change in time perception, but non-temporal, no time, no experience of, of time. But that is not the vast majority of our experience. It's blips for people here and there. I mean, I couldn't even theorize that there's one human in a non-temporal space on the earth at all times. I don't know. That might be too much. I think we also need to come to a consensus of, of consensus of what mind means. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, is, it, is it consciousness? If it is, I mean, we we move our consciousness from one space to another when we're doing journey work. Um. So, is consciousness within mind? In which case, it could be a dimension. Therefore, we're just moving consciousness around. Um, we don't know yeah. to decide on that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to go with, you know, being in the body is being in the four dimensions because this is the rig that allows you to experience this matrix. Mm. This is the interactive, you know, UI. It has sensory input, sight, sound, smell, all of this stuff. But um, there's something experiencing all that. And mind, consciousness, higher self, I don't know. All of that, I think, could be said to, to be the thing experiencing. You know, if you observe yourself, then what are you? What is the yeah. observer? And I think that definitely has implication about what the dimension above us is and how we interact with it, how we come to understand it. Kind of comes back to the old whole Buddhist thing of what is I? Mm -hmm. You know, can't really say what, what, what I is because I isn't anything. Or uh, it is everything. Or everything, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but I, everything and nothing are the same thing. So yeah, I always like the explanation of that. Um, the demonstration of point to eye. No, that is your chest. Yes. <laughs> uh, here? <laughs> no, that's your head. <laughs> go, go further than that, and it's atoms, and then it's nuclei, and, and positrons, and everything else. And 
and then it's just nothing. Yeah. yeah, empty space. But that's that that same, you know, unpacking through layers of reality perception that I was talking about with the video game. There's the VR environment, but then there's the coding, but then there's the circuitry. And then behind the circuitry and the hardware is atoms and molecules and space and quantum spin. And that, you know, how many layers deep does this go? And I think every time we get that bundle of experience, then we've got that three-dimensional group, a point, a line, and a fold. And the next bundle of experience forms another three-dimensional group, a point, a line, and a fold. Because the fold reduces the line to a point. Because <laughs> it's all inside there, right? And then it expands from there into the next three. So three is a pretty fundamental something in our universe. Actually, the one thing I keep waiting for is that, um, I mean, we've, we've kind of discovered that, you know, if you go deep enough into an atom, we have this space, this nothingness, and sometimes it's being, being called thought. Um, mm. I'm waiting for them to discover what's in there. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm sure they'll well, get eventually get to a point where they'll, they'll go, oh, there is something in here. It's not just nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of what the pursuit of the Higgs boson has been about. Mm. What's in there. And, you know, our model that most of us are using of an atom, you're probably thinking of a nucleus and electrons orbiting around the outside, right? But it turns out that's probably not really a good visualization of that. Mm. Is it's, but that was a good theorization we used for a long time. We find all these constructs. I like I talked about the left and the right brain. Not really, not really a thing in the way we talk about it. As you know, the right brain is artistic and the left brain is analytical and so on and so forth. Mm. Or the we only use ten percent of our brain. That's also not no, not really. That's not so. We have all these things. <laughs> we have all these things and these constructs that we think we're building reality on, but it turns out that a lot of them are um, not solid. You know, our foundations are crumbling. And I think that's something that's happening in modern times, especially as we see more and more of these theories and, you know, more of this science become available to uh, mass masses of people um, through the internet. If you are building on those faulty foundations and you try to lay these theories over the top of them, you end up with weird-ass conspiracy theories like Flat Earth and the poles switching at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Ooh, I, I think it's a... Flat Earth explain that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. Somebody just flipped the record over. Um, <laughs> but so I think it's important that we always examine those pieces that we've plugged into our knowledge tree and into our stepping stones and go back and, you know, question those things that we just take for granted is, yeah, everybody knows this. Yeah, this mm -hmm. is foundational because not only 
we may have got it wrong, but much more likely science and understanding has moved on since we learned the thing because there are new discoveries every day. There are revolutions in physics every couple of months these days. I mean, technology is progressing fast and we can see it, but that means our understanding in science is progressing just as fast behind it. Mm. Uh, let's see, Rick Menkela is here and said, time spooky. Yeah. <laughs> and Twilight Wanderers here also. Hey, Mr. Lee and Rev Kai. Welcome, welcome. No, no. Thanks for the chat. All right, should we take a quick break and we top, top up our, or my hot chocolate at least? Yep. Yep. All right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be it's back. Stretch time. Stretch time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Massage my bum time. It's getting sore again. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting on this chair. Okay. See you just now. Be right back. Welcome back to Into the Wildwood, and we're talking about time and dimensions today. Um, I just want to say before we, we get to the, the end, next week we may or may not do a live. It depends on my load shedding. Um, if we do, we're going to talk about Dark Knight of the Soul. If we don't, we'll do it the week after, and we'll do something pre-recorded next week. Um, but yeah, we'll have to find out. What's happening with the load chilling? Yeah, they don't tell you far enough in advance. Wait yeah. until Mondays to tell you. Yeah, um, and they change it last minute as well. Yeah. Mm. So that book I was talking about, I looked it up. It's called The Spiral Calendar by Christopher Carolan. So I'll put that in the chat also. And I've saved it in our Discord server. There's actually one one movie I've always enjoyed is What the Bleep Do We Know. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Uh, it's kind of... It's simple for me. <laughs> no. All right. Anybody got any questions? Drop them in the chat. Um, and we'll, we'll discuss them. We've spoken about time. I mean, we could carry on talking about time. Yeah. Well, Stuff. we've spoken a lot about theory. Um, I don't know why my my chats aren't going through right now. So, uh, okay. Um, uh, put it in Discord. But no, in in YouTube. I'll drop it in Discord and I'll... Oh, it's in there under Sacred Math. Is it the oh wait, is it the Rob Rob Bryanton's imagining the ten dimensions? Below that, you can put the Rob Bryanton's link in there too. Oh, so, the book. there we go. Yeah, the book. Um, copy the whole. There we go. Uh, but the. The Rob Bryanton's Imagining the Tenth Dimensions. I put a link to the full movie, which is like almost two hours long. Um, that's where I was talking about the point, the line, and the fold. And he explains it all in there. He's also got many, many shorter clips 
and intro type videos that are five to 10 minutes that explain all the concepts without going into all the theory behind it on his channel. So um, poke around in there, see what you like. Um, you know, you don't have to watch the, the big heavy explanation if that's not what you're into. But I do think um, part of the reason I really enjoy um, Bryanton's theory of the 10 dimensions and how he illustrates them is I think it helps an understanding of Kabbalah, which, you know, is that 10 and 4 and all of that number theory um, that emerges in the stability of 4, of a 4th dimension of how mm. of how of that how that all comes together I can't string together words today <laughs> it's got nothing to do with string theory nope nope <laughs> nothing to do with string theory <laughs> oh, the bad jokes are starting to come now yeah. so anybody got any questions thoughts experiences comments um, um shocked you, faces you land you said or multiple multi-dimensions Mm, the multiverse. People love, the multiverse. love people love using the, the term multiverse after Marvel and DC now. Yeah, that's an interesting idea of a way to think about things. Mm. Parallel universes have been around a long time. That there's, you know, another us living parallel lives but making slightly different choices. Mm. And I always think wouldn't Things have diverged so far that it would be unrecognizable as another us by then. Well, that's that's the interesting part. I mean, I actually got introduced to that idea from Richard Bach's book, um, Biplane. Um, and he kind of explains it as we get to a point in our lives where we have to make a choice. And we make that choice but we have a parallel life that splits off and makes the other choice also at the same time. So we do essentially make both choices. And then obviously those lives split off and they make other choices, etc. And they've got millions and trillions, gazillions of, of lives at the end of the day. Right. But, but my thing is, you know, so everybody gets this choice. And like one fundamental choice is whether or not to have children. So if the first Homo sapiens sapiens decided not to have children, there goes 50% of all possibilities for parallel universes for everyone that's alive now. And that reduction happens exponentially at every generation. Hmm. But there was also another dimension that they did have children. True, which is the 50% positive, but this is the... Uh, you know, the engineer versus the mathematician joke. Mm. You can cross half the distance of a room every minute. How long does it take you to get to the other wall? Well, the engineer says, he calculates and says, for all practical purposes, this long, but the mathematician says never, because you'll never close the distance. And so, if we're talking about the mathematical possibility of parallel universes where there would actually be a person that is like you after you've lived for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Possibilities because it's reduced by half at every instance. Mm. In that, in only that one choice as a differentiation. 
And yet there's a possibility for so many other choices that would have so much more impact. You know, a butterfly flaps its wings in India and there are hurricanes in the Bahamas. Mm. So. Yeah. But I, I don't know. <laughs> people talk about this quantum leaping and stuff. Um, it was pretty pretty new age thing, but I always found it interesting, you know, the idea that we can visit a parallel life and talk to it and get experience from it and understand how it got to that point. Because um, it could be a parallel life of a you which um, has has attained something that you're trying to attain in this life and you're just battling. Um because of a choice that you made earlier on. You know, this one went off and did all these things, and you didn't. Um, so you can get that experience from that, that dimension. And see, state. I, I think that's a split in dimensions, because I don't understand those as parallel lives. I understand them as part of this life right now. They're well, just the yeah. choice you didn't take. Mm. And because... Once you get out of the fourth dimension, the arrow of time isn't there, then it's no big deal to go past and, and follow the trail of the path you didn't take. And hence, you can be a very similar person with a similar backstory and, and close to that split. But to think mm. that there are entire other dimensions that would contain that split, I think, is back to that. Man, I want to say solipsism. I need to look that up. The idea that I'm the only consciousness in the universe and everything else is just the rendered video game. It's the egg theory also, isn't it? Yeah, that's solipsism. Mm -hmm. I don't know about the egg theory. I'm not familiar with that. But that's why I have Google. <laughs> yeah. Now, the whole idea of... Um... Parallel lives and, and uh, multi-dimensions I've always seen as the same thing, really. Yeah. Well, so, you know, there's been kind of a another revolutionary discovery in physics that even, I think, made, like, some mainstream media, like the New York Times and that sort of thing, that talked about physicists have discovered that the future affects the past, you know, time doesn't work you can make a decision about the future or the present and change what the past was and it has to go along with this um the interaction of the observer is the collapse the measurement is what determines the reality kind of idea and i think that very much applies to magic when we look at it that same way of you know it's not a whole other life it's just kind of bopping up in that dimension where you can manipulate time and it's not flowing in that singular arrow and so you can see the choice that wasn't and the path that wasn't taken and you can make a choice and take a path because of that information that is that fold mm -hmm. that causes that change in the past to have been and moves it through the, um, into the present. Which, I mean, in my experience, that's a huge part of magic. And something we've talked about before when we talk about light and dark time. 
going back into our strand of weird, going back into our past self, past, and mocking about with things, <laughs> you know, changing stuff so that when you, it all filters out and, and works its way back through the many arrows of time and the many collapses, it's different now. Mm. Yeah. That all stresses me out. I just worry about if I do meddle with something, it's going to change to me to be what I don't want to be. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's one of those things. Mm. I, I think the sci-fi movies are hilarious. You know, we started with Back to the Future, um, you know, exploring that old joke, I'm my own grandpa thing. But... <laughs> um, I think viewing things from the fifth dimension, those uh, paths of possibility are pruned so early, it's very, very difficult to go back and muck that up mm. in that way because the collapse that produces the arrow of time in the fourth dimension wouldn't allow for such thing. It it already pruned that possibility on the tree. Mm. So, you know, you hit you hit that um cusp and it becomes a, a pruning velocity that doesn't allow that interaction. So I don't think you can go back in time and step on the butterfly and fuck it's everything up. up and there's mm. no more South American continent or something like that. No. That, <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to have all consciousness go back mm. and engage in that mistake collectively, mistake in that choice collectively that would then produce that cascading process that results in whatever catastrophe in, in the now. Mm. And so one person just doesn't. You don't have that much effect. No. Uh, Kat said, I was going to say that there's a university in Dublin studying about the possibility that the brain has structures on a subatomic subatomic level. Cool. Mm -hmm. That'd be fascinating. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> really cool. And Lady Caparis joined us. Hello, hello. Hello. So, uh, Demi Ergos. No idea what that is. No. I know what the, the Demiurge is, but... Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I know what the Demiurge is, not Demi Ergos. I don't know. Um, Yolanda said one of my favourite movies is Sliding Doors. How one... Change any events uh, can change your entire life. Um, oh, demiurgos is a form of the word demiurge. Cool. I didn't know oh, that. Okay, there we go. Uh, Richard said, is this the second or third time the egg theory comes up in this chat? Today's chat, the first time. Well, now the second time because you've mentioned it. And now the third time because I'm talking about it. 
Cat uh, said, I think it's uh, Trinity College, Dublin. There we go. Oh, yeah. Very cool. So now you're sending Kai down many, many rabbit holes. Sorry. Sorry. That's the way mm -hmm. I am. When something tickles the brain, I'm like, gotta look that up. Wanna know more? <laughs> Let me open another 20 tabs. Yeah, right? that's what you want to do <laughs> for the next week. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why I never get to my reading list. <laughs> <laughs> if only I had more time in the day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which I think in one of our Dark and Light Times uh, episodes, I told the story about why I don't anymore because it nearly killed me. <laughs> I can't remember that. I, I did that whole Hermione time turner thing with magic for quite a while in my 20s. Mm. Um, and would use the time that I was sleeping to study and learn and, and spend time in the Akashic records and, and this sort of stuff. And it was really cool for like a year. And then it started having like very, very noticeable physical effects. And I got, I got close to death. It wasn't sick. It wasn't um, like an infection or anything like that. It's like I had used up my vitality mm. and I was not replenishing it at near enough rate. And I stopped because I couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, I got better. Mm. So <laughs> it took a while. Uh, but I, I do think that's also um, a potential contributor to the state that my physical body is in now, which is super not great. Um, so uh, I used to tell people, you know, well, you can study while you sleep. You know, you can learn more. You can do all this. And now, no, you need to sleep. Mm. Like actual sleep rest is important in all dimensions apparently <laughs> you, you can't cheat out the system by uh, studying at night in the halls of the Akashic records and trying to just direct download the knowledge of the universe <laughs> it turns yeah. out it doesn't work <laughs> well that, that, I mean that is one of the things we spoke about in our show is that you know if you are going to be working in Astral Temple um, you're going to be working in dark time, and uh -huh. we, I mean, it was one of the warnings we were we were given. I remember very specifically. Don't spend too much time in there to begin with, um, and therefore it's what I usually pass on to other people because it can be very physically draining, uh -huh. um, unless you know how to transfer that vitality or energy backwards and forwards between the two times between the two t two states. Well, I think, um, I mean, yeah, you need to, you need to move the vitality between them. You need to generate extra vitality, but being actively in dark time means you're not generating vitality in this time. Mm -hmm. And if you're not spending any of your time generating vitality, eventually you're not going to keep up. It's just, you know. You can never top up the bucket because you're you're draining faster than you're filling kind of thing. And I think it shows up over a long period of time. Every once in a while, 
a couple of nights, you know, two or three times a year, that's not a big deal. That's totally mm. doable because it, it's, it's just a little bit of a faster drain for a small amount of time and then it refills. It's the every single night for like a year. That's too much. And, mm. and it doesn't matter what techniques you have or what extra stuff you're doing. You're just draining faster than you're refilling. But contrary to that, if you're working in dark and light time at the same time, same moment, um, you are you're not getting that same drain because you're physically right. active at the same time as you are astrally active. And that's something we used to do was work in dark and light time at the same at the same moment. Um, yeah. It's very difficult to just, you know, just passing everything over into the dark time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Kat said, oh, so that's what happened to me last year. Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, you're also that sucks. doing the night study. I call it the night study. <laughs> the night study sounds like going to vampire school or something. <laughs> <laughs> now on Netflix for six limited time episodes, night study. Night school. <laughs> That's the next horror. Yeah, yeah. Despite my desires to instantly download all of the knowledge of humanity, uh, turns out that's not a thing. Not in this mm. dimension. <laughs> Can't You're waiting do it. for the osmosis. Yeah. I don't know. That that brings me to some of the, you know, transhumanist talk that everybody's talking about now with uh, chips in our brain and, and uh, cybernetic augmentation and that sort of thing. And while the benefits sound really cool, I just can't bring myself to do that sort of thing. There's something that I don't know, I just hit a wall mm. with thinking that that's going to work. But who knows? That, you know, that's how society reacted when cars came around, too. Mm. And, and trains. You know, all of this stuff about the human body was just meant, not meant to go this fast. And there would be deleterious health consequences and so on and so forth, you know. But it changed our world in ways that we couldn't even imagine back then. And I really think we're at the cusp of that again. AI. Yeah, I think what? we're seeing it with AI at the moment. Yeah. AI and our, our technology is, is, again, on the cusp of changing our life in ways we straight up cannot imagine. We have no experience of. We can't possibly figure it out. And it's super scary to stand at that cliff mm. and, and look at that infinite possibility because it doesn't just stretch away into benefit you know and thinking about what the development of cars and uh, trains and, and high speed travel really was like and looking at the literature that people were uh, writing at the time and talking about my, my favorite is you know uh, women's bodies were never meant to travel over 25 miles an hour because their uteruses would fly out. That's <laughs> <laughs> some, you know, warning tract about going on trains and stuff like that. <laughs> so, 
yeah, some of it was ridiculous. And I'm sure that many of us are going to make just as many ridiculous things that our descendants will look back and be like, oh, they were cute. <laughs> chuckle at them millennials. <laughs> They're dumb backwards attitudes, but hmm. you know. <laughs> We're doing our best with the experiences we have. <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely seeing with the AI because it's it just suddenly got a boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going through some sites this morning and it was just like site after site for um, image AI. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people are people are not liking it at all. I'm not gonna understand why. Um, because you know, there's people out there creating this AI art and saying that they're artists, you know, writing books and selling them, and they're not authors. Um, so it's taking away from all the people who are actually putting the work in. But uh, yeah. Well, and, and the question the question really becomes, um, you know, where is creativity and what is skill? Is skill intrinsically linked to time? Do you have to put in the hours? Mm-hmm. Do you have to put in the work? Especially with art, do you have to develop the mechanical skill? Is that absolutely required? What about people with, you know, muscular dystrophy and other physical impediments who can never develop that physical skill. Mm. You know, are they not creative? Mm. But then again, those who have put in the hours and and worked to study and produce art that moves the soul, is that something that an AI can do? Is that true creation? Mm. Uh, so many questions that we're all wrestling with and we're all trying to find our way through. And I, you know, I don't think many of us can answer them individually, let alone as a collective. And I think personally, I think, I, I think AI is great, but the way I would use AI in an artistic perspective would be, I want to create an image which has this blended with this blended with this. And I get AI to do it. And then I'll take that, that, that gives me the idea of how it's how it going to look, and I'll create it. But I won't use that as my artwork, you know? So I think it's just getting abused on one side. Well, I, I don't know. I don't have answers. I, I don't have blanket opinions either, because there's a lot of things I don't understand about what it is, and looking at where it's going, I'm not sure that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of factors. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, and, getting, getting way off topic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anybody got any um, questions about dimensions and magic or any of that sort of stuff or time and magic? I think we talked about time pretty sufficiently. Go back in the past, muck about with yourself, end up with a better self. Don't spend all your time in dark time for years at a time. <laughs> Unless you work in dark dark and light time at the same time. Yeah, that seems to work okay. And doing it every once in a while is no big deal. You know, journeying and and 
astral projection, they're not dangerous in and of themselves. It, it's, well, it's usually described as an addiction. Um, mm. And often that's assumed because it's addictive to be over there and it's pleasurable and everything else. But, I mean, I was doing it to learn stuff, not necessarily to be over there, just to understand better. And um, it doesn't really matter what your motivation is. But it will deplete eventually. Mm. And some people have talked about, well, when that happens, and you just move over. And you get to stay there. And, okay, I'm willing to believe that's a possibility, but is that really what you want to do? <laughs> you know? That was that, oh, I forgot the term now, reality, reality shifting. That teenagers were doing... Uh, year or two back, probably still doing what I don't hear much of it anymore. It's a big thing on YouTube and there was a term they yeah. were using where you actually, you go to your your world and you actually transfer your entire consciousness over to this other body and you don't come back. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did work with somebody in the past who found it such an escape to work in the Astral Temple in dark, dark and light, light time that they didn't want to come back. And they eventually got um, So, yeah, it can be an escape. Yep. And, and why? Yep. I, I do think there is enough lore, um, contemporary and ancient, to say that constant astral projection constant reality shifting, constantly being in dark time, your physical body will waste away. Mm. Here. You end up leaving here if you go there. Do we know if you get to permanently stay there? That's what lore tells us. That's what people say they're doing, but since they're not coming back here to tell us, we don't know. Yeah, and obviously we also get the, um, I'm thinking of uh, Robert Kirk and such people who went into, physically, uh, Mm -hmm. went into the fairy realms and never came back. Yeah, Mm. And, and, you know, I think that's all in there is possibility, absolutely. I, I... I don't disbelieve that people are going over there and staying over there because that's what lore tells us. And usually that's it. But again, you can't observe the non-observer. If the the stipulation that it worked is you never come back, then they never came back. Mm. So. Don't really know. Uh, Detlem asked a question. Hello, Det. Glad you could join us. Um, is the physical dimension humans live in better viewed as a separate spatial space to where, say, a land spirit would? Or is it more often understood as existing in the same dimension but out of phase? Good question. Why not question? If we're talking about, like, heathen and Celtic and other proto-Indo-European-based worldviews, I'd say probably the better explanation is same uh, dimension, same physical space, but in another phase. Um, Because we talk about the elves living in the rocks, the fairies living in the hill, 
um, places that we experience as solid and not containing space for a being to live. But then we see them open up. We see inside them where they live. So that could be described as out of phase. Um, a separate phase, maybe, uh, maybe like a space within a space, would be an understanding of those kinds of descriptions and worldviews. Um, sometimes they've been described as opening a doorway into another dimension or into another reality. But often that idea of nesting within, being inside of, is very common throughout those stories also. It's very much the uh, middle world concept. Um, and, you know, we've been talking about the fifth dimension and these beings being part of the fifth dimension. So I, often, I usually see it as that, um, you know, they are here, but it is of a dimensional state that we cannot perceive. Or we can only perceive some things sometimes. Yeah. And obviously also depending on a person's awakened psychic abilities and uh, you know, psychic senses and things like that. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I understand that as things like trees are the expression in our dimension of these long-lived spirits. We see them as trees that don't talk and, and all of these perceptions we have about trees, but in that higher dimension, probably something else is going on. Mm. I don't know. Something like that. It's, again, you know, where do you get to know enough to go in through the interface and enter your cheat codes or have access to little bits of code and muck around with it? We're not the programmers. We didn't build the computer that runs it. We didn't even develop the technology to understand it. We're just using that as an analogy. Now that we're in the age of virtual reality, and we can understand that. And, you know, there's lots of stuff in, in physics and, and philosophy that says we do live in a simulation. It, it works out that way. There's code behind it, which I don't, I personally don't think leads to that it's all not real idea but that math is the underlying language mm. it seems like code because code follows this pattern of logic this system of rules and it turns out down at the bottom it's math you know it, it's about addition and subtraction and multiplication it's about the these quanta that we can count in numerical ways and understand forces and all of this through this universal, more than human speaking, but like reality speaking math. Mm -hmm. uh, Safo has joined us, says happy Friday. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Um, I was going to say, you know, you know, we're talking about um, working in dark and light time at the same time, which is something we did. Um, how do we do that? So, for anybody who's interested, 
So what I usually do is I will sit down, do a normal thing where I go into my astral temple, and then I'll physically get up and carry on with my day. And then in the evening, I may sit down again and then come back from my astral temple. It's the easiest way I've found to do it. Yeah, I do stuff like that. I also, um, most of the time, I like to connect journeying together with walking mm. or moving in the physical and journeying mm. in the astral. Um, I, I like to plug those together. Um, I do like to double up on altar work. If I'm lighting candles here, I'm lighting candles there. Mm. If I'm putting offerings here, I'm putting offerings there kind of thing. And I have done that for so long now, I'm not sure it's even a conscious process anymore. It's, you know, just the the overlay, the seeing, well, all five layers at once as they they work together and differ yet yet pull together and seeing the origin of that flame there before it comes into the physical. And I don't know. We talk about it, but here we are trying to describe it, and it's it's difficult. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, that brings to mind um, the Kabbalistic term, Selem Hanafesh, um, the shadow of the lower self. Um, and it's something I was taught um, mostly in relation to doing the Kabbalistic cross. You, you have your physical hand, which may come up and point at your forehead, for instance. But before your physical gets there, you you get your your shadow body to go precede mm. the physical. Yeah, and it gets quite interesting because you can actually feel a pressure pointing at your forehead before your physical hand gets there. Um, I... And it's very much the same thing. It's that shift. Um, hello, doggy. <laughs> um, so wants to be on the show. Yeah. Well, I moved my camera so it's at a different angle. He does that all the time, but my camera didn't uh, catch it. He didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. Since I got the glasses, I've had to move my camera up to deal with the glare. So now it catches this area down here where mm. usually I'm petting him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the curtain just moves a little bit. So. He always checks in. <laughs> mm. um, but it is that shift with the, between the physical and the the dark and the light, the shadow and the, the physical. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which we can actually physically experience. I find interesting. Yeah, I think that's the, the telling clue that there's something, something happening um, in dimensions above us, too, is, is we have physical experiences. There is sensory input happening, mm. and yet... We cannot necessarily trace it to our five, uh, you know, physical senses. So, you know, it's seeing, but it's not seeing. It's hearing, but it's not hearing. But it's also something else that we don't necessarily have a word for that we call astral senses. Because it's, it's something happening over there. And it, it's having an effect in the four fourth dimension it you know we're experiencing it mm. so there's sensory input coming from somewhere but 
can we really get an idea of the shape around it or wrap our heads around what it is? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But in order to do magic, we don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the interesting part. I mean, we, we, we love sitting and discussing this and trying to pull them to pieces. And but I mean, at the end of the day, we can't really, not, not exclusively. And does it really matter? Yeah. As long as, long it, as it works. It gets into the debate I, I heard many, many times back in the day about armchair magicians. Mm. You know, you read a lot of books and you talk about it and you theorize it, but do you actually do it? And theory is something, something different than actually doing magic. Theory is cool. It's fun mm. to think about. It can be problematic if you have a theory you cling to too much that ends up limiting you in a way. Mm. It'll be your limit. If you, that's what you think the limit is, there it is. Um, because your, your model, your theory doesn't allow you to do that, you won't. But when it comes to doing the work and getting results, theory doesn't matter. Mm. You'll find plenty of accomplished magicians that have a completely different worldview than either of us and don't really care about the theory behind why it works it, you know so um well we we greatly enjoy this show and what else would we do but sit around and theorize and and talk shop that sort of thing you know you can't actually get on youtube and do magic every time i've tried to videotape magic all the electronics go haywire um there's there's interesting delays, stuff gets staticky, certain things didn't get recorded. There's just a chunk of time missing on the tape where there's nothing. <laughs> stuff happens. Um, so, yeah, I think there is... Uh, there's there's both sides. There's a time to be an armchair magician, but there's also a time where you like you have to get out of the chair and do the work. And you need to be doing the work in order to understand the theory. But um, you don't need the theory in order to do the work either. Yeah. I mean, it does help to understand it. And I think talking about it actually helps to expand on the, the practice itself because then we understand it a bit better. Um, yeah. Lady Kapura said, Plane, planes, trains, and automobiles. Yep. <laughs> And Yolandi said, "Doggy is a cutie." Yep. Yeah, yes. he's my sweetheart. <laughs> As he he bops me with his tail. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about me. <laughs> uh, Detlim asked, uh, "Would dark matter be a suspected substrate for spirits to live, move in, as it is part of our dimension?" Uh, sorry, that was, that was a difficult, difficult question for me. Um, we seem to know of its existence, but almost from observing the lack of something else being there. Don't Maybe. Dark matter. Could be. I mean, we don't know what it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good theory. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm mm -hmm. sure... Um, there are ways that it could be well, it could be theoretically poked at, but we don't know what spirits are either, so there's no proving or disproving, because 
if you don't know one variable, good luck. But if you don't know multiple variables, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> Um, uh, Sephiroth, Mr. Lee, do you have any more death posture stances you'd like to share? Uh, I'll do that on my my um, channel on Ask Lee. I uh, just need to think about the other ones. Uh, Lady Capera, I use Hemisync exactly because of this reason, healing and creative flow. I work between spheres. It does drain one one. Impo? I bet that's in my experience, IMO. Oh, okay. Um, in, my, in my personal opinion, that's what that stands for. Ah, there we go. Okay. Yeah. I remember all your acronyms from back in the BBS days. <laughs> I was never good with those. Yeah. People would go reel off all these letters, and I'm like, yeah, just try English. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love those acronyms because I could I could link them to the words, but it never transferred over to being able to read what we call here license plate speak, mm. where people try to shorten it to get it to the eight characters that will fit on a license plate. I can't I can't go the other way. <laughs> Are you better now? Okay. <laughs> Hemisync is very good. I um, haven't used it as much as I'd like to. Yeah, it is really good. The only thing I don't like about it is now I have a whole bunch of um, history built up in YouTube of using these videos, and every once in a while it'll just autoplay something, and I'm like, don't do that to my head! <laughs> I don't know what it is. It just came on. <laughs> <laughs> I have been wondering something about Hemisync, though, because, as you said, I think they're on YouTube, but I know there's a... Um, um, on Spotify, um, there's an artist called Hemisync, and it's got Hemisync tracks in it. But then you've got the Hemisync website that sells the tracks, and they're not the same tracks that's on Spotify. So I often wonder if those are the same, or if you know if they're ripoffs, or kind of like they decided, oh, these aren't good enough, so we're just going to throw them out to the free ones. Um, well, the you know um, Bob Monroe is is who invented or coined the term hemisync, and mm. a lot of people have talked about the gateway types. The original ones that came out worked, and then um, when the Monroe Institute was bought by somebody else, I don't remember which corporation it was, they changed it and started selling these other tapes that are different. And they're different time links and everything, and they people say they don't work, and they're yeah. not the real gateway experience. So I don't know. I have definitely found stuff on YouTube that doesn't work. Mm. Um, it has no effect. I can't tell any difference. And you know, um, and then there are ones that work wonderfully. It. I, I'm sure there's either. Um, stuff out there that people have made these tracks and aren't really sure what they're doing, mostly in the encoding and compression, because that's where that kind of stuff gets messed up. You know, or the other thing, especially with like some phone apps and stuff, they recompress audio files. Mm. And, you know, that may not work. It may only work in certain frequency bands or certain. Uh, you know, areas, I don't know, but I know there's a lot of different 
um, audio compression stuff going on through different devices, through different streaming services, all of that sort of thing, because their goal is not uh, transmitting pure frequencies. That's not what, you know, they're coded for. Mm. And there's a lot of things in hemisync and binaural beats that are outside the range of human hearing. Right? Uh, so that stuff would not be included in your standard um, compressions and encoders because why? Why? <laughs> why would you bother to do that? To compress audio files to send over the internet and, and stream through Wi-Fi or cell service. Mm. So, you know, that's something to consider. Um, if you find stuff that doesn't work, I don't know that it's any kind of nefariousness or even necessarily ignorance. They may be producing something that works just fine on their side, but by the time it gets out to somebody's device, just through that process, it has changed and now it is not functional. Mm. So it's, you know. It's a bit like what happened with um, when we moved from vinyl to CD. And uh, yeah. they discovered that there was a particular tone on the CDs that was missing. Because uh, it yep. wouldn't replicate over to, over to the CD format. And that, yeah. tone, that tone was kind of like the relaxing part of the sound. You know? Yep. Yeah. Because you know, I've, I've, I've tried the Gateway Experience, um, the modern one, the, not the original. And the first, I think it was the first track, it was actually pretty good. I, I kind of got into this very um, hypnagogic state and was flying over landscapes and stuff like that. Um, and then the second one, further and further and further, it just wasn't working. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I have no way of knowing if, if that's what's really happened. That's what people are saying on the internet, but mm. I, I did not experience the original ones. Mm. You know? And then... There's still, I think, retreats at the Moreau Institute to go and do the hemi-sync and the isolation chambers and all that sort of stuff, too. So mm. I do, I I do sell, the, sell the Gateway experience on their website. I don't know if it's the original. Um, I assume it is, but I don't know. It's yeah, expensive. I don't know. Mm. It's expensive. A lot of this stuff is, is terribly expensive. But then again, you know, um, as I've had several teachers point out to me, one, value, and two, if you're doing the stuff, you're probably manipulating the world to the point where you can have access to that kind of capital. Mm. I don't know how true that is now that we're, you know, in what looks to be a global recession. Back in the 70s and 80s was a much more prosperous time. So, mm. I don't know. Many things to think about. Many yeah. things to think about. Uh, Lady Kapara said, almost shamanic, multiple planes of existence. The Egyptians spoke of this in their own ambitious way. So said, symbology, mathematics, and sacred geometry don't change, but languages do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think languages are always trying to better describe their reality through their understanding of worldview. That's why learning the vocabulary 
of a different culture is so very important when you start you know, moving to a new worldview, you have to learn how to describe things because how it's divided up is very different. Mm. So that tells us right there that worldview is not reality, it's perspective. Mm. And it's something that shifts and moves and changes all the time. Yeah. Of course, you kind of, kind of thought of it as everybody's, each person's worldview is their own their own, um, I'm going to say, parallel dimension. Um, so we all have these parallel, all these, all these universes that we live in, all living. All and see, I don't think they're, I don't think they're separate. I think they're all one. Yeah, well, I don't see all of them all. Uh, you know, when I sort of talk about parallel lives and parallel di- dimensions, I don't see them as being separate. Um, I know it means that they run alongside each other, but I still don't see them as being separate. I don't think you see anything as being separate. Yeah. Why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's how most people describe it, though. Multiverse beside, you know, mm-hmm. parallel universe beside. And again, it leads to that solipsistic worldview of I'm the only consciousness here, and mm-hmm. therefore nothing else matters. And I don't think that's the way it is at all. And I also think the illusion of choice is made exponentially greater in that solipsistic view. If I'm the only consciousness that matters, and I can choose whatever I want, and that's not reality either. You're in a consensus reality with tons of other creating consciousnesses that are also choosing whatever they want, but not really. Because... <laughs> The, the field has already been drastically limited mm. because of um, all of those consciousnesses. You know, if you have 100 potential choices as one person and the other person has 100 potential choices, but as soon as you overlap, that drops to 50 potential choices for both of you because they, they must be choices where both of you can continue. Okay, that's just two. <laughs> Think about how many humans are alive now Mm -hmm. add in how many cats and dogs and horses and pigs are alive that we interact with regularly now every other animal now all of the insects now all of the plants and that's why you can't just you know um wish for real hard one night and there's a ferrari in the driveway the next morning Mm -hmm. because you are part of a web of consciousness you are a point within the great experience and because we are bound to the arrow of time in this fourth dimensional meat suit all of the choices of all of the previous consciousnesses that have inhabited this dimension are also part of that equation uh, where we have choice and free will (laughs) within that option which is you know why i think we probably don't Um, But the illusion of choice and the illusion of free will is advantageous. Um, Just like the perception of the desk being solid is advantageous. And so by the simple fact of evolution, of course I believe the desk is solid. The people who repeatedly tried to put their hands through the desk all day didn't survive to pass on their genes in a worldview that says the desk is not solid because it's not advantageous. So there's also 
that line of possibility and collapse of potential that is here in our fourth dimensional reality. All very Terence McKenna. <laughs> I do really like Terence McKenna. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, when I was listening to um, Hermetic Traditions. Very much what we're, we're talking about now, actually. Uh, all right. Um, shall we bring today to an end? Two hours. Okay, so we will, we may or may not see everybody in real time. Yeah, I had to get it in there. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> um, for whatever a week is for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we, if we, if we fold the time back, um, then what you're going to see next week happened last week. Yeah. So, so in other words, we might be live, there might be load shedding, and if so, we'll share a recorded video. <laughs> and if there is load shedding, we will do our topic for live discussion, which is the Dark Night of the Soul the following week. So if you got any thoughts on that, um, experiences you'd like to share, things you'd like to discuss, we'd love to hear them. If you've got like a long experience to share and it, it totally doesn't work with this 200 character limit on YouTube, please join our Discord and share with us through there where we can have long form discussions with people all around the world. Yep. But more importantly, it will be a mystery. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Thank you all for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us in the Wildwood. Meet us again next week for another episode, and don't forget to check out our website at intothewildwood.com. That's Wildwood with a Y. And if you would like to support us, you can leave a donation on the website.